0: And welcome to the Origins podcast. I'm your host Lawrence Krauss. When I think of an individual who successfully merges science and culture, I'm hard pressed to find a better candidate than Brian May. He's, of course, the lead guitarist of the legendary rock band Queen and one of the greatest guitarists in the world. But he also holds a PhD in astrophysics and was on the science team for the New Horizons mission to Pluto. Having had the opportunity to have a conversation with New Horizons team leader Alan Stern. I asked Brian to take time out for a brief conversation as well. I wanted to talk about his thoughts about the mission, but I also wanted to go back in time and talk to Brian about what caused him to choose between fields and how he's navigated that choice. I knew that Brian famously built his guitar with his father, and I wanted to talk about how his tinkering as a young man with the electronics of guitars may have spurred his interest in science, or vice versa. I also knew of his other interests in science fiction and the science behind stereoscopes, about which he's written several books. The conversation was especially warm and enlightening, and I hope it will be of interest not just for Brian May and Queen fans, but more generally, will provide new and exciting insights for all fans of science and culture. Patreon subscribers can find the full video of this program and all our programs immediately upon the release at patreon.com slash originspodcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Ryan, it's really nice to see you, and thank you so much for having us as as your guest uh, to allow us to come in here and have a chat. Thank you, Lawrence. It's a pleasure. And uh, well, it, I want to I want to start with your scientist hat. I want to talk. We we talked yeah. uh, a while ago with Alan Stern, and I want I yeah. just thought I'd talk to you a little bit about New Horizon mm. and your, your the part you played, but also. What you were surprised by in that mission at so far, mm. and what was the biggest surprise for you? <laughs> I'm most surprised by
1: Alan Stern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was <laughs> a phenomenon in himself. Yeah, absolutely. I, my God, yeah, the man's amazing. I don't think he sleeps, you know, and his brain is so quick and so agile. And also, I think. What people don't realize is a position like that as leader of a a, a mission like that, and oh. these incredible people skills, and he yeah, has that management skills. He that He just has that knack of getting the best out of everybody without it, ever being, you know, kind of pushy or or impatient or whatever. He just gets three hundred percent out of everybody. Amazing.
0: Well, well people don't realize that, uh, that science is generally big science, and and, mm. and most some big scientific experiments require management skills as much as scientific skills. Yeah. If and also so long because. The, from the time of inception of a mission like that to the mm. time where you actually take the first picture of, in this case, Pluto, was, yeah. and, and you've got to keep people motivated. When, uh, when did you sort of begin to get involved in it? And how long have you been associated with it?
1: It's gradual, really. I was kind of on the outside looking in, fascinated, mm-hmm. you know, because I keep a, a, an eye from a distance on yeah. all this stuff, and I have a great collaborator called Claudia Manzoni, Mm -hmm. Uh uh, who helps to keep me fed with all this information. She's great because I don't always have time to look at everything. So she's my channel really. And she works with me on the stereoscopic stuff. Um, So I was very aware of the missions, but I, do you know, the funny thing is Alan and I were talking about it. We can't remember how the first contact actually happened. I think it was through a mutual friend we Uh got talking. Um, And he said, you know, you'd be welcome to come out and 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 be with us when we actually do this flyby of Pluto. Mm. So I jumped at that chance. I yeah, just, sure. Yeah, I jumped a little nervously because, you know, it, it's a little out of my... At the time, I felt it was out of my sort of price range, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm an interested party, yeah. and I, you know, I am an astronomer mm. to a certain extent, but I'm not a professional astronomer. Yeah, and I, yeah. Uh, I do other stuff, as you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I went down there, and um, I have really... The major interest that I have is this stereoscopic um, <laughs> side of everything. You know, I had this passion for three D yeah. stereoscopy of all kinds, it's and nice of course, to be
0: surrounded by it here. Yeah, anyway.
1: here we have in <laughs> around us all sorts of stereoscopy, starting from about 1838 um, onwards. And of course, stereoscopy was huge in the 1850s, which yeah. is the great boom, and mm-hmm. that's kind of where my heart is. But I apply everything that I learned from the 1850s to astro photography so you you just all the time you see nothing there's nothing new under the sun yeah since charles wheatstone yeah (laughs) who discovered the principle so all you need is a baseline and in astronomy uh and especially with all these probes that go out and get close to objects you can normally get what you need to 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 take an amazing stereoscopic picture of something
0: i I, you know well actually i we have one of your books here but uh, and and I know a bunch of 3D books. Do you, have you produced a 3D book of astronomy, of astronomical images? Well, Mission Moon 3D
1: the, is all about um, the Apollo 11... Yeah. Oh, no. The Apollo mm. missions and the whole space race, about the, the Russians too. So that's the closest we've come to an actual. You, astronomy you did,
0: I've never, I haven't seen any three D pictures of Pluto yet. Is, is right? Oh, there is one. Yeah, I was able to get it. Wow. That was my great
1: scoop. You know, yeah. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And oh, you haven't seen that? Okay, no. well I'll show you. Uh, uh, but yeah, you you just need a baseline, and this um, probe is flying right um, by, thousands of miles an hour past this object called Pluto, yeah. which until now has been a white dot yeah. in the distance. And what you get is a picture from this point, and then it moves on. You get sure. a picture from the next point, and so you have your baseline. It's how, like the, how how far baseline? Do you know? How far? It would be tens of thousands of miles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Quite a bit, but it's yeah. it's a few thousand miles away. Yeah, sure, it sure, tends, yeah, yeah, thousands of
0: and the speed it's going, you you have to you know snap those pictures relatively quickly. Cause yeah, which is what they do. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's a kind of nail biting thing that New Horizons does yeah. because yeah. In most of these missions it's very different from most of the NASA missions which go around things. You know, like the yeah. Rosetta mission, yeah. they go there, yeah. they get into a, a position next to it, and yeah. they more or less orbit these yeah. Yeah. objects. New Horizons doesn't do that. It just whizzes straight past. So everything has to happens. Everything has to happen in a few minutes. Yeah, and the 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 tension, the, the drama in that is colossal. Because oh, yeah. if you mess up, you, there will never, ever, ever be, be another, another chance. chance and, and You've been waiting
0: for yeah, decades. Yeah, for 12 <laughs> years, you've waited yeah. for
1: that moment. So it's incredible to watch it unfold. And the moment when you first see that image is, is incredible. And, and both times, you know, with Pluto and with
0: Ultima Thule, yeah. I was there to see the first image come oh. in. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, Pluto, it, it seemed less surprising to me that they actually... Got a picture of the planet, but mm. Ultimate Tule it, it amazed me given given what little was known about that object mm. and if the and, and the speed and the and not knowing exactly where it was, or at least having to infer, to be right. able to it could have been so easy for them to just take a picture and be off by a few degrees oh, and miss it. Absolutely. It was really amazing. Yeah.
1: The precision that they worked to is incredible. And you think it's four billion miles away, yeah, it's, and they're guiding it to an accuracy of a couple of hundred miles, yeah. and everything has to be timed to the second.
0: It's, it's, it's uh, well, I'm always as a theorist. I'm always amazed when it, any kind of experiment works. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, because it's it it it, it and also the dedication is required for people doing it because you're, you are working for 12 years and if you mm. miss it, then, then that's 12 years yeah, essentially wasted. It's and great. everybody would hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would try yeah. not to, yeah. but they would. Yeah. When, when I looked, I remember... When I first saw the image of Pluto, being as everyone was, but I just remember being shocked because it—the assumption was it was going to look like a—I mean, like a snowball. It was, was mm. going to, uh, and, and and potentially a heavy crater snowball. But the fact that there was dynamics in Pluto, the fact that this part of the surface was so smooth that it clearly had been new material, the fact that this object out there was a a dynamical is active, the, yeah, it's, it's very it's, unexpected, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it was really—I mean, beautiful thing. Uh, what, well, it's true. Every time we've had a new picture of any, or a new, new learned, about, not just objects in our solar system, we've learned that our conventional wisdom in some sense is wrong. And even as we mm. learn about exoplanets outside our solar system, we learn that that what we thought was conventional, that gas giants mm. out there are in a rocky, and it, it's just different for, yeah. it, it's it, it's really a fascinating thing to see. As someone who studies particle physics and cosmology, it's really nice to see that in our neighborhood, yeah. We continue to be surprised. It's not as if it's all known. It's really That's,
1: very, that's something that strikes me every time. It's never what we expect. Never, never, never. Yeah. Yeah. It's always something more interesting, more surprising well, than the yeah, we imagine. I mean,
0: that's the point for me for science uh, is that the imagination of nature is just much bigger than the imagination of humans. And if you lock theorists in a room for 30 years and had them describe how things should be, it would be totally mm. different. And yeah. so we keep having to be guided by observation and experiment which is why we have to keep doing it and it, it's it's not you know people often wonder why do you have to keep building things but if we don't we just we, the surprises of the of of the universe and our context within the universe our own origins uh, uh are totally misplaced so what what new horizons uh, all the way yeah 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 <laughs> exactly and 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 the fact that we're inspired by these things, and it can inspire us. and there's no doubt that Pluto inspired the picture of Pluto, of course, more recently, the picture of the black hole, they inspire people in a way. I, I don't think many producers in television and other and realize how much people are inspired by science mm. by images that can really change their picture themselves. That's right. What, yeah well
1: what, it's an important thing this this thing called outreach is very important otherwise scientists would just do stuff and nobody would know it, it, <laughs> people have to know what's and going you've on you've been involved in it you've been writing yeah it's something
0: something that i love doing yeah it's nice that you can well bec- because of who you are you people are um, uh, probably yeah. more willing to listen or less afraid maybe
1: well i can be a channel because i'm yeah. visible and people kind of expect to get something from me my great inspiration is patrick moore so patrick moore who for 50 years presented that program yeah one presenter for 50 years the sky at night yeah and since i was a kid and begging to be allowed to stay up and watch it uh, 10 o'clock at night, you know, it inspired me and it inspired generations of astronomers yeah, it's nice. in Britain. And its outreach, yeah, he, and it was all happening, but unless Patrick Moore was telling us, we yeah. didn't know.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> it's really amazing, I think, how many people, how many scientists get to start by those kind of things. I, For mm. me, it, it, I remember the series by Jacob Bernowski when I was growing up, and it was just an amazing, the ascent of man, mm. and, it, yeah, and yeah, it, this I one... Know remarkable guy sitting in front of the camera talking about everything from science to culture. And 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 that's one of the things I want to talk to you a little bit because part of my interest and part of the interest of this program generally is to try and combine science and culture. That science is a vital part of our culture. It's not mm. a separate thing. Yeah. And you you epitomize it in some sense in in, in, Thank in, you. in, in, in <laughs> well you do by your very by by what you do. And and um and I wonder I, I was kind of, I, I wouldn't mind going back a little bit. Yeah to it seems to me to some extent as far as I can see you've always been a tinkerer not just tinker with these but but in the in in making your first, the first guitar so yes. what, what was it was it, <laughs> in terms of the chicken and egg and music and science or what Was there one that that motivated the other? Was there one that that, uh, prompted the other?
1: No, it's all inextricably linked, I think. I I just had this passion for discovery, I suppose. And tinkering is a good word. I think I got that from my dad, yeah. We got this idea, me and my dad, that we could do anything if we set our minds to it. So in this tiny little room, spare bedroom, which was converted into a workshop, we made my guitar. And it's from scratch, you know, It's, it's not a copy of anything, and we experimented to to get our ideas together
0: were there a lot of were, are there failed versions of your guitar somewhere bits,
1: we did little test rigs for the like the tremolo and the truss rod and all sorts of things yeah they're not exactly failures but yeah and and um, i still have some of that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. just you know things that are on the road oh yeah failures are good
0: yeah, well, failure is an essential part of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're not failing, then uh, you, mm-hmm. we, I mean, you're it's true. learning. Yeah, it, it, it's true for science. It's true for music. It's true for anything. I mean, mm-hmm. that you're not pushing your, yourself. If, you, if, if one of the problems I think when I, we teach, by the way, I've, I've talked about that, is we don't teach kids to fail effectively. Mm-hmm. We give them problem sets in physics classes mm-hmm. that they're designed to be able to do, and 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 even a thesis some, that in general they can do. But then when you get out the real world, you have problems mm-hmm. that you you try and solve, and it and you can't and then what you need to do is learn how to solve maybe not the problem you thought you were going to do and and I assume I don't know if the process of your writing and music is the same when you if you have an intentionality and you find the final product is very different that's a big question yeah <laughs> so um,
1: I think there are parallels yeah I think you're searching I've always had this feeling that art and science are not really any different yeah you know they're, they're different parts of the same animal And um, the Victorians felt that instinctively. You know, if you look at um, the Crystal Palace 1851, it was the works of all nations. It wasn't arts and science brought together. It Mm. was just works. And uh, thanks to the glorious Prince Albert Mm -hmm. and the Victorians generally, if you look at all the great scientists, um, they're generally musicians. Uh, almost without fail, Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't see the distinction. All the great photographers, I'm a passionate collector of Victorian photography, especially the stereoscopic stuff. All those guys are artists and scientists, and they have to be, Mm -hmm. because they're working in a medium that requires incredible knowledge of chemistry and physics. They also are creating art, creating portraits, landscapes, beautiful things, and they don't even think that there's a distinction. So that's how I am, you know, and I resisted the 20th century concept that you have to be one or the other. And they tried to split us, and they succeeded for a while. And I think that was bad. And I think now we're seeing a coming together, a rejoining of art and science. In someone like um, Matt Taylor, for instance, who's Mm -hmm. the PI of another NASA mission, the Rosetta mission, you expect to meet this Boffin guy who's (laughs) one of the most successful scientists of our time. He's a heavy metal... (laughs) Uh, okay. Phenomenal. You know, he's got Einstein tattooed here and <laughs> Lemmy tattooed on the other side, you know. And he's he's a, as much passionate about his music as he is about his 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 work, you know, his science and his engineering. So that to me is lovely. I I think that's a healthy thing. We're all coming together and realizing that we're human beings. We're supposed to be complete human beings. We're supposed to have all those sides to us, otherwise we're not complete.
0: Well, exactly. And it used to be, speaking of the of the 19th century. That an a, a literate person in the 19th century, it was, I think, expected to have at least a, a cocktail party knowledge of the science of the time. Yeah. Whereas now, it's kind of sad that you can sort of proclaim your scientific literacy as a badge of honor of being cultured. So it's I'm, like I'm cultured because I don't get the, the science just doesn't do it to me. And, and whereas everyone, at least, the, I think everyone can enjoy that aha experience. It's orgasmic. Whether it's, whether mm-hmm. it's listening to the first song from Queen or, or, mm-hmm. or, or seeing the first picture of Pluto. It it's mm-hmm. just changes your picture of what it means to be human. Definitely. I'm with you. And and you know, but there is one thing that interests me in that regard, and you're one one of the only people I can talk to about this because, <laughs> I, I because you have spanned it for a while. I guess you had to separate, right? I mean, you had to you left astronomy to do. I did. I always thought astronomy benefited from me leaving (laughs) (laughs) But Yes, I did. (laughs) But you came back. And was it hard to come back? back. Was it hard? Well, I was never that far
1: away. Yeah, okay. You always sort of... Academically, it was hard. Yes, it was. It was tough. And it was a mountain that I nearly didn't manage to climb, to be honest. Uh, I was fortunate in having Michael Rowan Robinson, Mm -hmm. um, who was the head of astrophysics at the time, about to retire. I was one of his last projects. Oh, really? Yeah, but he rang me up when he'd heard that I was thinking of rejoining this the this astronomical community, which had become astrophysics. Yeah. Uh, and said, if you wanna do if you want to finish your PhD, I am here at the place where you started it and I will be your supervisor. Oh, that was wonderful. So it was incredible. I mean my yeah. heart kind of stopped, really, and I dropped everything. I dropped for a year I didn't do any anything, pretty any, much any except music? yeah, except just sit in the little office in Imperial College back where I'd started. Yeah picking up the pieces of my PhD, it was tough. Yeah, with really Yeah, about. and they had to. I mean, they couldn't make it easy for me because that's mm. not what PhDs are yeah, about. Yeah. PhDs are about making it fucking hard. Yeah, for yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be <laughs> happy to get it over with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, every PhD student
0: has to want to give up, yeah. or else he hasn't. Yeah, I almost his, You know what that's like? Yeah, well, you know, I think yeah. Because if you didn't, you might be too comfortable being a PhD student. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so it was hard.
1: And I think three distinct times I tried to give up, but I had good friends. One of them is Garrick Israelian, who runs Starmus. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he took me away for a week and taught me how to read papers. Again? <laughs> Scientific okay. papers. He re-educated me on <laughs> and how to actually get the information out. And that was incredibly valuable to me. And Patrick Moore was yeah. incredibly supportive. He just kept saying, you can do it, Brian. Of course you can do it. Of course you can. <laughs> I went, Patrick, I can't. My brain's gone. I've been playing music for 30 years. I can't do this. Of course you can. Uh, and my wife was very supportive. She was great. She was just like, yeah, you know, you chose to do this. You're going to do it. You can do it. She, so, oh, that's great. She yeah. didn't say,
0: you're going back to be a student. How will we survive? No, no, we were all right. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we're you're all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, the breadwinner
0: was, <laughs> was going back to school. Yeah.
1: Well, the, she's a breadwinner too. That's the thing. yeah.
0: Well, the, the, the but what I was going to ask you is, you know, I often, what disappoints me about people, their approach to science often is the notion that. To appreciate science, you have to be a scientist. No one says to appreciate Queen, you have to be a musician, mm. or to appreciate uh, uh, art, you have to be Picasso, or or uh, uh, literature, you have to be Shakespeare. I mean, you, you could. Everyone can appreciate those things, but somehow the notion is, well, you really have to be a scientist to appreciate science. When in fact, of course, we are all scientists. But it, mm. it's interesting that that now I think the hurdle partly is this sense that mathematics is involved in science, and somehow there's a, yeah. there's a hurdle that people need to get. But of True. course... True. And mathematics is beautiful in its own
1: right, of course. I think I would blame some of the communicators of the 20th century who kind of... Wanted to mystify it, yeah, you know, to make it seem like they were very clever and yeah. they understood it, and we really didn't. Mm. I think that still persists a little bit, but we're coming out of that, I think, yeah. And pictures really help. You know, yeah, everyone can. Instagram is great. You know, you yeah. put a picture up of that black hole on Instagram. Yeah. It was enormous, one of the yeah. biggest things that ever happened. Yeah, I mean, I put. And it we up don't and... understand black holes. I don't understand <laughs> black holes. Really, honestly, yeah. I don't. But I look at it and I feel like I, I'm connected to it. It's... I had some kind of. Um, understanding that this is happening out there and we're discovering, and I'm excited. Yeah. Everyone was excited about that.
0: Yeah, it was amazing to me. I got, of course, lots of calls and letters and every, at the time asking mm. me for, about it. It was, and of course, and I actually worked on black holes theoretically, and 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 you know, it it not as if it changed our picture, but just seeing mm. it and know, yeah. For me, it was a, t- a triumph of human ingenuity. I mean, the notion that we could actually combine eight telescopes around the world and interferometrically. Yeah. Take such, and 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 it worked. It. I mean, it would have been interesting if the picture hadn't looked at all like we expected either. That would have been, mm. in fact, for many scientists, it would have been more interesting, right? To, to see yes. pe- like Pluto <laughs> look different than I yeah. would have expected. But uh,
1: yeah. it looks a little asymmetrical, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it does look asymmetrical. Though some people argue because the the spinning of it that you'd and that you'd see one side a little ho- little yeah. little different than the I other. Wonder.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's uh, but being connected, it's it's pictures. You're right, and yeah. and I want to ask you another question because I we could, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about your impressions of say manned versus unmanned or human versus unhuman mm. space travel. Hmm. I when I see pictures from the rovers. I almost feel like I'm on Mars more than if a man was on motor. or Totally. A
1: human. I'm with you. Yeah. I felt that about the Pluto mission. You know, yeah, every time I'm sitting in that control, I feel like I am in that probe yeah. approaching this Because the camera's
0: part of the probe. It's yeah. not separate from the probe. It's an integral part of it. Yeah. And and uh yeah, and so I think the notion that we stuck to this planet can be at the same time able to experience Pluto black holes or or you know, and the, the pictures from the earliest history of the universe are, are just, are are inspiring because they change our pic, uh, our view of ourselves, which is what the purpose of art is too, I think. I mean, right? Absolutely. It's to change, totally. reflect your, your view of yourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have that ability as a species to be able to look inwards. And part of looking inwards is looking outwards <laughs> and yeah. un- understanding and relating to what is inside us. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, one... Thing that interested me about you, given that it looked seemed to me that you're a tinkerer, you built you like you this pat, this is patented, right? It's your yeah. It's, I'm yeah. an inventor. I love yeah, it.
1: it. I sit in my little workshop and I fiddle
0: around and make stuff. Now, but but I wonder. That's what surprised me because as a if I understand your astronomical work, it's theoretical, right?
1: Mm. No, not really. No, I was an experimental astronomer. My PhD is about spectroscopy, Uh looking at at movements of lines, but not building spectrometers. Yeah, Yeah. I built my spectrometer. I built the whole bit. Yeah, I I, I built the the spectrometer, the sealer stat that went with it to direct the light into it, and I built the electronics. Very crude electronics. In the nineteen seventies, which processed the information. No, it oh. was it was a oh, purely good. Oh, oh yeah, it was experimental PhD, But you have to bring some theory into oh, of course in to, to of, of, of course. But figure I figure out what you okay. At.
0: That makes more sense. I just mm. seem to me that given everything else I knew about you, that I would have been surprised if your science wasn't involved in in building and 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 including the electronics to some extent. Yeah, too. I hated it. I <laughs> I
1: hated my electronics because
0: it was very crude and didn't always work. You know. well, what about the electronics of the guitar, which I understand you? <laughs> Wired differently? Yeah. Than, well, how
1: did that come about? Well, I had my dad. See, my dad's an electronics engineer, so uh-huh. I really had a great start there. Oh, he taught okay. me about everything. He taught me what series and parallel meant. Uh-huh. And uh, I wasn't as good as he was ever. You know, he just lived and breathed uh, electric currents and oh, PDs lucky. and stuff. Yeah, um, But he taught me that. So it makes it very good sense that we rewired the guitar. Well, we wired the guitar yeah. in a way that was different from anyone else at the time.
0: And, but it was, so it was his idea. And, and it was probably
1: both our ideas, yeah. really. Yeah. And what was it? I was and looking? The, I kind of knew what I was want, what I was looking for, which was a breadth of sound from mm-hmm. the guitar. But my dad was able to help me find what I was looking for.
0: Well, that's fascinating. Well, it's fascinating to me that people who do do that professionally hadn't hadn't done that. I guess. <laughs> Was it because, what What do you think, yeah. was it because they weren't musicians or because, they, well, they're clearly musicians, but, <laughs> what? well, it's hard to know why someone has a new idea, guess. Well,
1: they did pretty good, you know, and the, the people at Fender and the people yeah. at Gibson did a pretty it, damn good job, you know. I was just finding variations, little corners that people hadn't explored
0: before. When I also look back at your scientific history, I, I was just in Tenerife, actually with a, mm. my friend of filmmaker Werner Herzog, and we were up at the, at the solar observatory but it was of course I'd been up there before yeah. and but this day was beautiful amazing because it was of course completely covered in mist and it's, it's specta- we got some incredible photographs I'll send you a few Werner's wife is was a photographer of, of the of the observatory coming out of the mist. If you, uh, well, you know, I lived there, don't you? you yeah, know, for quite well, a while. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I did.
1: Part of my heart is up there. I love it up there in Isanya.
0: It's an amazing With place. the observatory
1: blossomed, yeah, because you wake up very often and you are above the clouds. This yeah. sea of clouds, so beautiful.
0: Well, yeah. when I was in the mist, though, I was wondering. Well, that's not great if you're a solar astronomer, or, or yeah. uh, but. Was that a rare day, or, or generally or? the mist is below? The mist yeah. doesn't
1: generally rise that high. Yeah, but you do is. get days. Yeah. It even
0: snowed on the on the on the mountain ah, itself yeah. when we were there. So in fact, we couldn't go up to the top because they close it if there's snow.
1: Right, and you get this calima as well, which gets in the way. You get this dust from the Sahara. That's the other problem you get in Tenerife. But on a good day, without any of that. And with all the clouds below you, it's heaven. Yeah, it's You're a spectacular in heaven. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I've it. gone
0: back now three times, and it's just each time so beautiful. And yeah. but you spent a year there, you say, or on and off Do, doing yes. the observations. Yes. Or, and did you speak Spanish beforehand, or did you uh, a
1: little bit? But I learned a bit from being there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually, there's another connect, uh, uh, interesting connection in our in our dialogues with people. Given the cover of one of the albums is an astounding science, right? Oh, and, Frank. and uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, and so <laughs> it's uh, Shelly who's a friend and colleague of mine, a Nobel Prize-winning physicist, oh. said it was astounding science that got him into into science. And
1: interesting. And
0: did you was that so Ast- astounding science fiction? It was yeah, called. yeah, was astounding science yes. fiction. Did yeah. did you did you read that? Was or was that you're doing putting it on the cover? Actually, Roger found that. Yeah, he found
1: it because we were both science fiction buffs when we were kids. And, um, yeah, he found that. And we got in touch with Frank Kelly Fries, who had yeah. painted that picture, yeah. and he, we commissioned him to do a version for us. The original picture had him, the robot, which we call Frank after his creator yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these <laughs> days. Yeah. Uh, the original picture had this hand of the robot, and he's holding it up, and it's there's blood coming from mm-hmm. the soldier that he's picked up. Yeah. But what he's saying, apparently, is, fix it, Daddy. Oh, really? He's not like a monster. He's someone who's... <laughs> he's like a young robot yeah. who's done this yeah. stuff and doesn't yeah. realise what yeah. he's done, the yeah. damage he's caused. Yeah. Oh. So there's an innocence about Frank oh. which people don't always realise. I know a lot of people got very scared about him. I mean, when they were kids, it's funny, you know. Even you see that on um, on the Simpsons, you know, yeah. they, they have an episode where they're, they're scared of of the robot on News of the World. But yeah, so we got Frank to do this uh, picture. He did us two, one for the front cover. And one for the inside because it was a gatefold yeah, album, yeah. and the inside shows what's happening from the inside of an, uh, an arena where the robot is reaching in and pulling us out. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, that's yeah, It's a great. It's a great story. Yeah.
1: strange there's a sequel. Well, <laughs> not a sequel. There's a. There's a. There's a. The story continues because. Frank passed away sadly a few years ago, but we're very much in contact with his wife, and she always comes to see us when we play oh, nearby. And just recently, the original artwork has surfaced for that picture, so we're hoping to get it. You know, keep oh, it for our our archives.
0: Oh, good. Oh, well, it'd be a lovely thing
1: that. to have. Yeah,
0: we're, but but so but you and Roger were science fiction fans. You, again, we were. It's, yeah, I wonder. Again, I I like science fiction, and one it's hard to know. Once again, chicken and egg. Is, mm. Do you like science fiction because you're interested in science? Or, or does the science fiction inspire you to to be interested in the science? It's no, a- just... All At the same time, yeah, that's the just, as a me. kid,
1: you're just open, aren't you? Yeah. You know, just everything. I love, I picked up every bit of science fiction I could.
0: Yeah, uh, I used to like John Wyndham, who was a British. Oh,
1: yeah, I read every single one of his books. You yeah. know, all penguin books, weren't they? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and although the you know, I wrote a book called The Physics of Star Trek, actually, Stephen Hawking wrote the foreword for it, and he said there that science fiction, like science, inspires the human imagination, really, and, yeah. and uh. And but what I've learned since then of course the great part of what makes science fiction good if it's good is the story it's for, the science is there but it's not mm. what makes it it what make it's it, it's got a, yeah. like the Frank like the robot I mean that's a poignant yeah. thing that you can relate to mm. I mean the robot is there it's nice but the the story of the, of, of the-
1: <laughs> I agree, yeah. It's always the human side which makes it worthwhile, really. I mean, I, my science fiction song, 39, I don't know if you know about I was that, going know? to ask you about it's the 39. same kind you, of thing. You anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's a scientific phenomenon there, if you like, you know, the, the time dilation.
0: Yeah, dilation exactly. Effect, you well, and you, do you want to, I mean, did you always want to write... A song with... it. With...
1: Well, it it was just in my mind, but what fired me up was not the fact that the the physics made you you lose time, but yeah. the fact that what would this do to you as a human being? Exactly. You know, how would that experience be if you came back from a trip and all your relatives were dead and you were looking at your descendants? Yeah. You know, how yeah. would that be? So to me, it's a human song. It, it's got a science fiction
0: uh, skeleton, if you like, but it's about human beings. Well, it's again that interweaving of the human experience and yeah. the science, and I think mm. that's essential. And that... That and 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 too often people think science is out there or the universe is out there, and we're here and there's no relationship. And yeah. and and uh, and, and in, in 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 that book you have, I, I as you know, I point out that every atom in our body is, came from a star that exploded. Oh, and yeah. we we are the cosmos. We have that connection. We are stardust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. We are qu- indeed. As as some yeah. as Johnny Mitchell says. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I
1: quoted that in my thesis. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was the yeah that was the. Uh, You'll see that on the title page.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you about everything from from science to culture. I could, t- I wish we had a lot longer, and I there's a lot of questions and a lot of discussion. It's just nice to spend time with you, and I it's really appreciate it. Great, taking I the appreciate
1: time. it too. It's and really stimulating.
0: We'll 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 do it again. I hope you'll you'll come see us in in Phoenix, and uh, and just keep it's just it just keep Thank doing you. what you're doing. It's great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bless you. The Origins Podcast is produced by Lawrence Krauss, Nancy Dahl, Amelia Huggins, John
1: and Don Edwards, and Rob Zepps. Directed and edited by Gus and Luke Holwerda. Audio by Thomas Amison. Web design by Redmond Media Lab. Animation by Tomahawk Visual Effects. And music by Ricolus. To see the full video of this podcast, as well as other bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash originspodcast.